We don't preach enough about hell, and I'm going to talk to you about hell in just a few moments. Uh, uh, I'm going to start off that way. We live in a time when even Bibles that are being printed now in different versions other than the King James or the New King James are, are cutting down on the times at its mention. We want to live in a time where we have a contemporary uh, uh, walk with the Lord. We don't like to hear things that disturb us. We want, a, we want a gospel that's easy to feel and easy to do it with, and we want, a, we want a salvation that don't require anything of us. Just when we ain't got nothing else to do, we come to church occasionally, and we feel like we're all right if we miss for a while, and we come back again. So I, I was looking, and as I was getting prepared for this, I, I got a hold of something that disturbed me. It shouldn't have, but it did. The book that I was reading in made a reference to something about hell. And, and I'll, I'll read it to you, and again, in just a few moments, but I, because of that, I did some more research, and, and I got my son to help me, and they made a reference that was a large number of the times it's mentioned. And when we made this reference this morning, we come back and we found that uh, in the King James, hell is mentioned, 31 times in the Old Testament and 23 in the New Testament, a total of 54 times. The New King James is 19 in the Old Testament and 13 in the New Testament, a total of 32 times. And I've noticed as I look down through it, even the Bibles I like, the, the wording has been changed to, to our time that we talk. And I know a lot of that has to do with, with uh, we don't say the same word. Even, uh, uh, I mean, our society's changed. When I was a kid, that's been a few years ago, uh, you know, gay was a good word. Gay meant that you were simply happy. You were jolly. You were like Santa Claus. Always had a smile on your face. Today, that's totally different. I remember when my kids was going to school, when I was young, Mama used to whip me when she said I was bad. But my kids would come home and say, that's bad. That meant it was good. <laughs> it's been a struggle for me to keep up with all of the language change. And so it seems like that is watered down into the book some. And, but I, don't, I, I want you to know something. I don't think God changed his mind. That's right. I think when God calls it bad, it's bad. When God says it's good, it's good. When God says hell, he means hell. Amen. But today's world, people have a little different thought. And so today I'm titling this, is hell is no joke. Even in a church house, sometimes we think that, oh, well, God's a good God. He's not going to send me to hell. Well, God don't send us to hell. We go there as an intruder. The hell was made for the devil and his angel. But God also sets some signposts up along the way. If you want to go to heaven, there's some things we have to do in order to get to heaven. We're not going to get to heaven just because we went to church a few times and died. It's going to cost more than that to go to heaven. It's going to cost that we're going to have to accept Jesus as our Lord. Let me get back on track. 
Hell's not a, an easy thing to talk about. It's difficult. Hell is real today, though. Hell is no joke. The Bible refers to hell according to this, this that I picked up 162 times. And I notice I said the word refers to hell. That's meaning that there's some other words in the Bible, not literally written H-E-L-L, -L, that means the same. And so it seems to me like if the Bible refers to hell that many times, that it must be an important word that we ought to write down and keep before our face and our spirit and realize that it's important to know about hell. But even me, I've not preached on hell, I don't think, but maybe once the last year. We just seem to be in a time when there's so many things to talk about that seems more important to us sometimes. Uh, we want to encourage people to go on and live right, but as I, as I live and breathe, I realize that people need to hear the negative side of living for the Lord. So, many have said concerning the idea of hell, hell is a wild nightmare. It is disapproved theory. Hell is inconsistent with the nature of God. In other words, they can't be a hell because God is a good God. And why would a good God want to have anything to do with a hell? How can we believe in a heaven if we can't believe in a hell? When I think about it, God's always made an object. Day has got the bright side of day has got a dark night. That's right, there's cold winters and hot summers. There's always a flip side. Even man comes along, he makes a two-sided corn. He don't put heads on both sides. So there's always another side. But it's inconsistent with God's nature. ABC News in a poll some time ago said that 70% of Americans believe in heaven, but only 56 believe in hell. How can we believe in a heaven if we can't believe in hell? You don't have to believe in hell, though, to go there. All you got to do to go to hell is just don't believe. It's easy. The rich man was surprised to discover that hell was no joke. Remember Lazarus at the gate of the rich man? That's right. He didn't have nothing. All he needed was something to eat. He would have probably appreciated a raiment of clothes. But it seemed like the rich man, even though he had everything, he couldn't share with him just a little piece of bread. Finally, the rich man, after he wouldn't give me anything, Lazarus died and wound up in Abraham's bosom. Later on, the rich man died, and he looked across and saw him over there. And when he woke up, he realized that hell was no joke. Many people sitting in a church house today don't want to believe that there's a hell. Among professing Christians, many doubt the reality of hell. We claim to be a Christian. We want to tell everybody we're Christian. We go to church occasionally on Sunday if we don't have something else going on. 
But every time we talk to somebody, I'm a Christian too, but, but we really don't believe in hell. I think sometimes if we really believed in hell like we ought to, that we would change a lot of things we do in life. First off, I think that God would be at the top of the totem pole for everything that we were going to do. Many people want a Christ today that they can sit on the outside and when they have time occasionally, drift by where he's at and praise him a little bit. But Christ should be in the center of our life. He, he shouldn't be on the outside. He should be the core of our being. That's why it says that we'll live a sacrificial life because we believe that he is who he said he is. And it's important to us because we believe one day there's going to be a day of reckoning. An illustration or survey determined that 35% of Baptists don't believe in hell. 54% of Presbyterians don't believe in hell. 58% of Methodists don't believe in hell. 60% of Episcopalians don't believe in a literal hell. What do you believe in this morning? 71% of the nation's leading seminaries in the U.S. don't believe in heaven or hell. Think about that. And we have preachers coming out of those places uh, by the dozens because people think they need to be taught to be preachers. They need to go through it. And we do need to study. Paul said we need to study to show ourselves approved, a workman that need not be ashamed. But we, if we're going to go to a place that, and we're going to go get lessons and be taught, we need to ask him, do you believe in hell? And if they don't believe in hell, we need to exit out the door faster than we come in because all you're going to get is a man's opinion. The Bible says there's a way that seemeth right to man, but the error there and destruction, and there's destruction in it. My thinking's not good enough to understand it all. I need wisdom and knowledge, and wisdom and knowledge that I need come from the Lord and also what you need. Man can't give it to us like to blow me away. 71% of the nation's leading seminaries in the U.S. don't believe in heaven or hell. That means 29% of the schools you go to and the teachers you listen to are going to tell you about hell. And they can't teach you about heaven unless they teach you there is a hell because there's one to shine and one to gain. Hmm. People in our world have reduced hell to a laughing matter, making jokes about hell, writing comic books about hell. Our society is in trouble. In Gatlingburg, Tennessee, they made a replica of hell. It was called a journey through hell. It was so horrible and graphic that people petitioned to have it shut down. They went around and they got people to sign the petition and finally they got it shut down. They was afraid, the stores were afraid it was going to drive off the tourists, that they wouldn't have any, tr any money coming in. Anybody to come that was afraid people wouldn't want to come to a town that had a display like that. They was worried about the almighty dollar more than they was worried about the souls of people in the town because we have to be reminded sometimes where we're going to go and where we come from if we stay on track. But they didn't want it. 
It was too horrible and too graphic. Those of us who believe in a literal hell are called old-fashioned and out of touch or hellfire and brimstone preachers. People don't like to hear people that get excited about what they preach about anymore. People don't want to hear about hell. They want to hear about a God that loves them, where that, where that everything they can do, everything they want to, and still make it to heaven one day. But that's not going to happen. There was a price paid for your salvation, my salvation. Not only did Christ die on a cross, the cruelest death, that he could die, but the, the disciples that followed him, they were all crucified and filleted and stuff. And God's not going to let you and I get by and slide into hell doing nothing and not believing nothing when those men paid the price. Jesus has already given us the final word on the matter. Hell is a real place of real torment, a real place with real people. Sadly, people that you may have known, worked with, or have been around, maybe family or friends, may have wound up already in that place. The message of hell is not to lost sinners alone. The great preacher once said he'd like to send his entire membership of his congregation to hell. He said, just for an hour or two. He said, if I could send the whole congregation to hell for an hour or two, they'd come back on fire to go and reach their loved ones. They'd come back on fire to tell somebody, it's real, it's real, you don't want to go there. We live in a time, it, I know it's funny, but it's not funny. Because how many people in here, and don't you raise your hands to me, I don't want to know, how many in here has children, loved ones, family or friends that you know of today that's running as hard as they can at breakneck speed trying to get to the place that they can die and go to hell? They don't know it, but they're chasing the dreams, the dreams of the flesh here, the bigger house, the bigger car, uh, the more toys to play with. They're going and working so hard in so many hours. They don't have time to enjoy life because they're chasing Takes my dollar. They don't understand that life is sure to be over one day soon. The Bible said it's once appointed unto every person to die, and after this, the judgment. And so we need to think about that. We that know the Lord, we have a responsibility, and that's to pray and seek God for those lost souls. The charity should start at home, and if you're not praying for your family, if you're not praying for your children and your grandchildren and your grandma and your grandpa and everybody else in the family and your close friends and those that you know, then what are you doing? The Bible said the fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. Amen. I'm going to step on your toes. I told you not to tell me how many has children. There's been a class going on here, or worship service, however you want to call it, a small group. I guess the word I'm looking for. And it's called Mother's Heart. And I've been to it a couple of times. I should have been there more, but a couple of times I've been there. 
And guess what? There's lots of faces in the church that I know of that haven't been there, that has children, and you know they're not living right. You know they're going the wrong way. Oh, but you say they're good kids, they're just doing it. But the ever journey starts out with the first step, and if you don't get to praying for them before they get so far out there, it's going to take a lot of prayer to pull them back and send them the right way, and your prayer does count. Your prayer will work. The devil lied to you if he says that your prayer, he don't hear you because he hears you, but the only reason he don't hear you praying for your children and your loved one is because you've been slacking up on it and hadn't been doing it. People outside your family will pray for your children. But a person outside your family praying for your child doesn't mount to nearly as much as if you're praying for your child. Amen. We've got children now that's in home for children because their parents don't want them. I've got a granddaughter that's had two children lately. Breaks my heart. Her mom got the first one, and the second one she didn't even bring home from the hospital. And my family will make all kind of excuses for her, but there's no excuse for anybody to not want their children and to pray for their children. You stand before God and you try to make excuses why you haven't prayed for your children and God's going to hold you accountable. He's not going to hold me accountable. This morning I'm telling you like it is. You can love me or you can uh, hate me, but it's one thing about it. If you hate me, you're going to have to pray through or you're going to miss glory. It's a place of torment because of what's not there. Whether you want to believe in hell or not, it's a place of torment. And it's not just about all the bad things that's there. The torment of hell is not just found in the horrible things that await you there, but also in the things that you'll never find there. <clears throat> no Christian loved ones are going to go to hell. We're going to go to heaven. The godly person in the family, the pastor, the Christian, the friend that you used to go to, uh, uh, to ask them to pray with you about things that you should have been able to pray about yourself uh, and, and got rid of it and got past it uh, uh, won't be there to help you pray. People say, well, I need to go get so-and-so to pray with me. And it's good that we get people to pray. But we have to get a want-to spirit to live right. If you don't have a want-to spirit to live right, all the church can pray for you 24 hours a day, uh, every day of the week, and you're still going to split hell wide open because it takes a made-up mind, a changed heart to follow the Lord because it's, uh, there's temptations in the world. But don't fear. The Bible said there's no temptation that'll tempt you that somebody else hadn't already been tempted with. And so if we go there, We'll go there not because God wouldn't able to keep us, but because we didn't want to follow the Lord in his teaching. Torment of hell is not found in the horrible places that await you there alone, but also in the things that you'll never find there. No Christian loved ones will be there. No one will love you in hell. If you miss heaven and you go to hell, you think it's bad down here now in the worst hour you've got, you won't have any friends in hell. No comfort in the presence of others. They're going to be busy 
with the same thing that you're busy with. If your loved ones are in hell, they'll cry the same as the rich man cried. Somebody tell them don't come to this place. Somebody warn them that they don't need to be here. That'll be our cry. I talked to somebody one time and I told them, you don't want to go to hell. I tried to explain to them a little bit what it's going to be like. They came back and said, well, pastor, don't worry about it. But I'll be all right because all my friends are going to be there. Let me tell you something other. They won't know you when you get there. They'll be too busy to bother you for the agony and the pain and the suffering that's going to be on people there. Hell is not going to be a country club. It's, hell is not going to be like the jails that you know about today. I talked to a friend that's gone on to now to wherever he's wound up at, and he told me that he liked to go to jail because he got a break in jail. He said, when I go to jail, he said, I don't have to worry about my family. The county takes care of them. And he said, I got a big family. And when I get there, he says, I get kitchen privileges. And when I get there, I, if I got kitchen privileges, I can eat any time I want to, night or day. And he said, I can make a little Applejack, and I can trade it to the guy in the jail said it's like being on vacation when I want to go to the weight room and lift weights they say God will place me to do that too well I got news for you hell is not like that according to the Bible it's a place of torment a place of suffering a place of much pain people here on earth in hospitals and jails want visitors in hell, they do not. They don't have time to visit. Can you imagine a place where that the suffering is so great that people scream and holler? I can just about visualize hell. I read a book one time, Mary Baxter wrote, and she said God took her to hell to write a book. And this vision she wrote about hell, she said when she got to hell, said the stench was horrible. It was almost unbearable. And said she looked and she saw people as they were screaming to the top of their voice and said they were begging and crying and praying, but God doesn't hear you there. It's not just for today or tomorrow, but it's time on time in, day after day, eternity. It's up century after century after century. It's like to infinity. It does never end. And can you imagine a person in so much agony? She said she saw the person that was in the flames up around. They were screaming and hollering. And all of a sudden, the flesh just melted off her bones or his bones. And all of a sudden, it come back again, start all over again again. Oh, we serve a good God. There's nothing like that. Some of the Bibles use different words to make it sound easier. But whatever word you use, hell is still the same. No God of grace in hell. We live in a dispensation of grace now here. Jesus paid the price on Calvary. He shed his blood for us. And he gives us the Holy Ghost to lead us and guide us and direct us to all truth and through all things. But we have to learn to lean on him. We have to learn to trust 
speaking God's word. We have that now. But if we trample on God's mercy and God's grace and we wind up in hell, there is no God of grace in hell. The first thing the rich man did is the first thing that every man or woman does when they get there. They pray. They pray. They pray. Here we say, well, I ain't got time to pray now. I'm late for work. or I ain't got time to pray now. I got to fix dinner. I, I ain't got time to pray now because I'm late for going where I'm going. But when I get time, I will. And there, that'll be the first thing on people's mind is to pray and cry out to God. But the difference is God won't hear you there. Don't wait for hell before you cry out to God. Pray consistently. Never and never, never receive an answer when you're there. Hell is separation from God. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 8 9 said, The flame in fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction? from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Just think about that. We sitting here, as the preacher has preached up here, uh, on the anointing, and we felt those uh, uh, glory bumps rise up on us from the anointing. Brother White, when he preaches sometimes, and gets steered up, it gets on me. And I'm reminded of my father-in-law when he'd preach, and he began to sling his hands around, and he slang his hand around. You'd feel like a, a cold wind go over you. The anointing was so strong. But you'll never feel that touch again if you've ever felt it here, if you wind up in hell's shores. Never know his convicting power. Some of us have sat in the pews and held on the back of the pews to keep them going up and answer an altar call. I remember those days. Thank God one day I listened and I went up. But if you never do that, you'll never feel that again. No mercy, no forgiveness. Only hear the cries of the millions around you praying, God, forgive me. Lord, Send somebody to help me. Whatever they be praying, God doesn't hear. And God leaves you there. He'll never pardon you there. And the child of God will forget you there. I remember being in a hospital one time, and I didn't think I would get out when I had an open-heart surgery. And I was thought that I needed to make everything sure that it was right with God. And I talked with God until I knew that everything was right within me. That if God called me on home, I was going to make heaven shores okay. And then I thought for a second, I thought, Lord, I know, I know Jeff's going to do his best to make it. And with your help, he's going to make it. I feel it in my spirit. This is just where I talked to God. And I said, I know Liz, she's going to work hard to make it. But Lord, I, I know Lisa's got a call in her life. And Lord, I don't know where she is, but Lord, I'm concerned about her. I said, Lord, heaven won't be heaven without my children are there. 
and the Lord didn't let me get it out of my mouth till he spoke back to my spirit. It's plain as I'm speaking to you. He said, you won't have to worry about it because if you'd come to heaven before they do and they don't live right, you won't even know that they was ever born. Now's the time to pray for our children. It's not later on because we don't want them to miss heaven. We want them to make it to heaven. Praise God. No mercy. God will leave you there. Listen, you don't have to go there. Hell is completely void of any joy whatsoever. No laughter, no parties, and no thrills. No moment of emotional rest. Jesus said in Mark 9 and 43 that it's better to live maimed there, here than to go there. Not even a moment of silence to collect your thoughts conscious of the things going on around you and what's happening. No painkillers in heaven. Nothing to numb the pain. No satisfaction to your cries. Rich man, he cried for just a drop of water on his tongue with no satisfaction. Eyes heavy with sleep, and no sleep will come. The drug addict will cry for his fix, the alcoholic for his alcohol, but the pusher will not have his bag in hell to bring it by. Everything you're going to have to give up to go to heaven, you'll give up when you go to hell. No end to the misery in hell, no hope for you to hold on to. But you don't have to go. You don't have to go. The good news is we don't have to go there. Thank God. I don't plan on going there. Do you? Praise God. The good news. Proverbs says we all like to receive good news. It tells us this good news is like Good news from far away, like cold water for the thirsty. The gospel is good news to man. It's the news of what God has done for us sinners. See, Jesus died on the cross for us. He paid the price for us so we can go free. The Bible declares that we're all sinners. We've all come short of the glory of God. We have been proven guilty. We're under condemnation, it tells us. And that alone is not good news. The good news is that God declares us we don't have to go to hell because Jesus paid the price on Calvary. All we've got to do is accept him as Lord in a, of our life and, and begin to live a different way, to follow him, accept him as being the most important one, so to speak. We, we come to an altar and we say, Lord, I'm sorry for the way I've lived. And Lord, please come into my life and be my Lord and master. Then follow him to the best of our ability. Bible tells us in John 1, 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the only 
the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He came to where we are in order that he could feel our needs. Luke 19.10 says, for the same, for, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Or what was lost? Me, you. He come here to earth to save us from a devil's hell. We don't have to go there. I was sharing with you some things what hell is about. I believe everybody in this church loves the Lord because you came out today. Amen. We need to come out every time the church doors open to worship the Lord. Christ took his, our sin upon himself. He was made sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Christ died for our sins on a cruel cross. That's how much God loves you and I. That was before you ever accept him as Lord. He did it while we were yet sinners. There's no reason anybody that goes to church or knows about God should go to hell. Every one of us, the door is wide open to heaven. But it's still up to the individual how you live. You can say, I'm a Christian and go home and act like the devil. You can say, I'm a Christian and you can get around the corner and drink your suds and do whatever you want to do or whatever you've been doing. You can hide in the closet and say, well, if I do it here, nobody knows about it. It's all right, but God knows about it. That's right. And when God knows about it, that's what counts. Because Jesus paid the price for your soul and my soul, for my salvation and your salvation. I didn't have anything to do with it. You can't hide from God what we do. He looks beyond the outside, the inside. Praise the Lord. Good news is we don't have to go to hell. Listen. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. He died because of our sins. But when he died, he rose for our justification that we can be called brothers and sisters to Christ. Praise God that we can call him Lord. And if you reject that, if you reject him, then heaven's doors is, is closing and hell's doors are widening for you unless you change your attitude to the way you're doing. Acknowledge you're a sinner, Roman tells us in 6 and 23, and says, repent and turn from your sin to Christ Jesus and you will be saved. Praise the Lord. I want somebody to come back up here to this praise and worship. I'm going to stop there. You don't have to go to hell. It doesn't change the fact that there's not a hell. But God made a way that nobody has to go to hell. But he left it into your choice. You get to choose. You and I are people that God has made to, that have the privilege to choose what we want to do, how we want to live. And if you should make heaven's gates and make it through, you, you can say, praise God, because of Jesus and because that I followed him like I should, I've made it to heaven. But if you wind up at hell's gates and you go through hell's gates, it's a trap door. There's one way in and no way out. And you can't blame anybody but yourself. 
There's thousands of people in the world today as I stand here and talk to you. And preachers are not exempt from it. Some of them will be involved in it. That preach the message but will wind up in hell. There's people that sit on the front pews that will wind up in hell. There's people that sung in the choir, choir and will wind up in hell. There's people that, that have taught Sunday school and wind up in hell. But there's people that just come and sit on the pew and wound up in hell knowing that it was a free gift from God, Jesus Christ, and all we got to do is come forward and accept him and turn our life over to him. I talked to a deacon one time and he told me, I don't see him in need for that emotion, Pastor, that you've got. He said, I've been a, a deacon for a number of years and I never saw a need for emotion. A few years later, I found out that he had gone off the deep end and gone another way. Let me tell you something other. If, I, if people can get excited at a ball game where people are throwing a pigskin, that the pig's already dead and eaten and all they got left is the skin to throw around. I guess I ought to be able to get happy and get excited about Jesus Christ that died on a cross for me and made a way that I can go to heaven. And I think the old church has room to get excited about God and his free gift to mankind. Stand with me all over this place. I'm going to encourage you. If your life ain't been going right, this morning, if you feel like you're not where you ought to be, you're where you absolutely ought to be in God, if you, if you felt like right now if God was to say it's over for you, I want to ask you, do you feel like you would go to heaven or do you feel like you might wind up in hell? If you really don't know this morning where you wind up at, you need to get, talk to God because you're not where you need to be. You make the decision. You make the decision.